today, as we begin our faith series, we talk, talk about this issue of rooted. So that's great getting you guys see there's good to have everyone here this morning. I was told that with the punch holes, the reason I stopped it was they were making my little pinhead out of it. They were putting my head underneath it and making little smiley faces on it. And they said, this is Pastor Lee, you know, and I went, that's not cool. So you want holes? Punch them yourself. No, Ken said, I'll, I'll take care. It was my fault. I told him, you don't need to punch holes. There's hardly anybody that does that. <laughs> okay. So anybody spoke up. Let's read this verse that we have for today together, okay? It's out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. It speaks to the issue of faith. It speaks to the issue of faith, how we share it and how we show it. So here it goes like this. Read it with me. Ready? Always be ready to answer everyone who asks you to explain about the hope you have. But answer in a gentle way and with respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak evil of your good life in Christ will be made ashamed. Father, we ask that you'll guide us today as we try to get a better handle on this so important area of sharing our faith clearly and concisely so that your spirit can bring about the needed response in the time that you have chosen. Thank you, Lord, for guiding us today. Let your will be done in all that we do and say. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, today what I wanted to talk about is the first in our series about faith, and we're going to start with sharing your faith and showing your faith. We're going to talk about the proclamation of faith and the proving of faith. Proclamation of faith and the proving of faith. Those are two distinct faith expressions. Two distinct faith expressions. So one is about the hope that you have that you verbally express, and the other is about proving it gently, respectfully, with a clear conscience. Those two are tied together, and when you divorce one from the other, you get what I call a partial faith or a mixed-up faith, which causes many people to misunderstand, to be misrepresented, and to fall away from their responsiveness to God in terms of who He really is. So we're going to look in... Three different testimonies will take place today. The first one is testimonies given to us from Peter and also uh, from John. So Peter is an early apostle. Most of us know that. He was kind of the prime guy that messed up big time and then who God redeemed hugely and used powerfully for years and years to come. And then John, he's the one he calls himself the one that Jesus really loved. He didn't have an ego problem. He just had a love issue. He said, I'm the one Jesus really loved more. And I thought, actually, that's me. I'm the one he loves more. And, you know, as they say, the worse off we are, the more he loves us, the worse we're in, something along that end. Okay, so let's talk about this issue of proclaiming faith or proclamation of faith and the testimonies of Peter and John. Peter speaks to us and he says, look, you need to always be ready to give a defense for anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that's in you. So Peter says, everybody that I'm speaking to, you guys need to have this down cold. You need to have it succinctly. You need to be able to share quickly, tightly, right there. This is the reason I have for the hope that God has placed within me. So when someone says to you, 
well, why are you a Christian? And you want to go into a long apologetic breakdown and defense and philosophical reasons. And they're snoring about halfway through. He's saying, just give a defense for the hope. And really what he's talking about is allowing the Holy Spirit to work as he wants to as you simply present the reality of who God is and what he has done in your life. Now, he's going to talk to the other area here within the same verse here, and that's the proving faith. And he's going to tell you later, James, the brother of Jesus, is going to really get onto this area. And he's going to say, you know, if you don't have proving faith, the whole idea that, that Peter talks about, about sharing your faith and proclaiming it, is useless. It's a waste. It's just blowing smoke. So make sure, if you're going to share your faith, that you're showing your faith. Make sure, if you're going to share your faith, that you're showing your faith on a regular, consistent basis. Because one without the other isn't bad. It's just not good. It's not bad. It's just not good. So we do this by faith and with faith. Jesus made an interesting statement in relationship to people that were talking about why is life working this way and what's going on. And he says this. He says, by your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, it will be done to you. And he's saying that without faith, life is just existing. We're just going from day to day, month to month, year to year, hour to hour. And we're not experiencing the wonder and the majesty of God working. You see, faith provides the opportunity to watch God work. Faith provides opportunities to watch God work. God's plan for your life is for you to allow him to grow your faith so that every day you're involved in faith actions that make a difference in your life and in the life that you are facing. Okay? That's what's going on. That's how life should be regularly experienced as a Christian. We find ourselves regularly involved in these faith actions. Now, here is sometimes some of the problem. I don't know how many of you run into this. I've ran into it. I'm a pastor, and they still throw it at me a little bit. A bit less because they think I know too much. Okay? But for you, this is how it happens. You go, you go over to the home, and you're sharing with some friends. Well, you're just kind of talking, and they kind of throw off to the side, oh, yeah, you're one of those Christians. And you're like, how am I supposed to respond to that? They don't want you to respond to that. They just kind of throw that out. Or they say something like, oh, that's right, you believe the Bible. And we know about all those issues with the Bible. And then they just go on. And you're like, I'm feeling really stupid here. I'm feeling very uncomfortable. Or they say things, it's Christmas time. Oh, you probably have to go to that Christmas Eve service. That's that's right. Oh, well, that's good. It's a good thing. It's It's a good thing that you're going to that service. And you're like, why do I feel like they don't really mean it's a good thing? Why do I feel like it's demeaning and I'm some kind of dummy? And you want to respond. You want to walk up and give them six reasons why they need to believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Bible is God's word. One. And, you know, and they're like, oh, hold it just a minute. And you say, I'm going to give a defense for the faith that's in me. Well, your defense is more like a fist. You're going to knock them out because how dare they say these things about you and not believe what you believe. But Peter says you need to share this defense with respect, gently, sharing the hope that is in you. You see, it's a whole different picture 
taking place here than this aggressive, apologetic, in-your-face defense of our faith. It's a simple response that elicits people's wonder. You want to give them an answer that's credible, but you also want to give them an answer that is simply biblical and move on. If they really want to deal with that issue, there are books and books and books written and taking place. What issue is it you want to deal with? If you really want to deal with that, I'd be glad to help you work through it. I'll sit down with you and we'll work through all these questions you have. No problem. Rarely is that what they want. Because what they really want is they want to hear the reason for the hope that's in you. And when you give that reason, that truth grabs a hold of them and begins to shake them up a bit. And that's why it's got to be gently and respectfully. Let me give you a minute. How many times have you been called on for something you did wrong? Okay, you, you've been called for something you did wrong. All of us got that. And this person kind of calls you and they say, well, you know, and they lay it out. And what you feel like is just excited that they called you on the carpet, right? We all love criticism, especially when it's true. I just love criticism that's true. You know, Lee, your hair is falling out. Yeah. Okay. And what do you want me to do about it? Well, maybe you could go to the special doctor and he could take care, you know. Or you can go on and on with all the variety of things that take place in your life. And truth comes out, you're saying this wrong, you're acting this incorrectly, and it gets brought to you. And there's this sense of, I want to punch the person. That's my first response. And I pull back, no, 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 thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, that was hard. Well, what's going on? When you share the truth of what has happened in your life and who God is, it shines a light into the heart of that person, just as it shined a light into mine. And it causes us to feel threatened and frightened. And that's understandable. So you need to speak it, but you need to speak it gently, respectfully, and then you need to prove it by your lifestyle. That's the second part of today's message. So the first part is about simply proclaiming the truth for the hope that is in you. Okay? Now, one thing I have noticed, and that is that in 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 the United States, it's kind of like we can pick on the Bible, we can pick on Christians, we can really pick on the church, okay? but we can't pick on Jesus. You notice that? It's like, oh, well, Jesus was really a great... They can't pick on Jesus. So one thing you need to make sure of is stay away from all the stuff they can pick on. I don't want you to say, the reason I have a hope is because I have this wonderful church that I go to. And they go, oh, yeah, I went to a church once. It was really wonderful. And we were, fi- I go, yeah, don't, you don't go there. <laughs> you don't go to the, wonder- well, I, you know, the Bible is the one, and they go, oh, yeah, the Bible. Well, let's talk about the, all the inerrancies and, and the problems with the Bible and the accuracy issues. And the, what about the history? And away we go, and we go, uh-oh. We're not speaking to the hope, are we? See, we, we've moved off from what God wants us to do and how God wants us to do it. It's really simple. Give an expression, a reason for the hope that is in you. And that means it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And the simple testimony of those who follow Jesus saying, hey, Jesus is who Jesus said he was. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead so he could teach us about how to have a relationship with God. Oh, so it's all about Jesus. Everything in my life is all about Jesus. What he has done, what he has said. 
It's changed everything. But the simplistic statement is this. We shared it last week. I tried to, I primed you last week a bit, so, so you remember this. And that's this. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Can you say that? I believe Jesus died for my sins. Now, all you non-Christians are now Christians. It's great. Wonderful. No. Okay. Didn't, that wasn't tricking you. It's a good move, but, you know, it was, you know, ha, got him, Lord. Okay. That's not how it works. Okay. But that's the first thing we said. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Okay. And rose from the dead. Okay. To teach me how to have a relationship with God. How to have a relationship with God. That's the hope that's in you, folks. That's it. How many of you think you can quote that? Write it down. <laughs> I think I wrote it down. Actually, I think it's in your outline. I go, guys, there's something really... Change it, tweak it a little bit. I think in the outline I've said it slightly differently. But the issue is that Jesus rose from the dead to teach us about how to have a relationship with God. He provided us that relationship by paying for my sins. Then he rose from the dead to show me how it works. He says, okay, Lee, this is how this works. And I go, wow. This is amazing. This is incredible. And Peter and John and James, his brother, and a number of other apostles and early guys who walked in with him wrote this basic information down to help us understand how to have a relationship with God. It was pretty simple. It's not a hard thing. We'll talk more about that next week when we talk about the reliability of the testimony that God gives us. And sometimes our struggle with trying to deal with all the letters. So we have all these letters that have been placed into a book that we call the Bible. And so we get into all these letters and I go, you know, let's just kind of pull back here a bit and just go with the basic testimonies that are laid out here by these guys and leave it there. And later on, when you want to research and go farther into it, we'll go farther into it. But right now, let's just leave it right here. Deal with the testimony that was clearly stated by Peter, by James, by John. All of them who died, declaring that some 30, 40, 50 years later, they kept it up. And they said, this is who Jesus was. This is what Jesus did. And I believe it. I saw him. And that over 5,000 people, when they heard that testimony, they were waiting to hear it, and they responded to him in Jerusalem. And this continued on to today till we have over a billion people that have heard the message and responded to the truth that Jesus died for my sins. And he rose from the dead to show me how to have a relationship with God. In this statement. See you later. God bless you. You see, that's what you want to do. Don't don't go any. Oh, they'll kind of go. Oh, and that's appropriate. You're just giving a reason for the hope. You're not trying to astound them with your intellectual acronym. OK, you're not trying to show off. My perspicaciousness is truly beyond that of anybody I know. No, probably not anyway. OK, so you go. This is it. That's all I got. More than enough. And God begins to stimulate that proclamation of faith, that sharing of your faith. So Paul says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. Now, does that sound like what I just shared with you? That's Paul's statement. And he was determined not to add anything to it. He says, you know, I got into trouble. I started doing all this apologetic stuff. And he said, I'm an intellectual. So I laid it all out and structure for everybody. And they all looked at me like, huh? And we got into a big fight over it all. And I finally realized the power 
of the gospel is the gospel. Simple. Let God handle it from there. It's not your job after that. Let God handle it from there. I believe Jesus died for my sins. And he rose from the dead to show me how to have a relationship with God. Wow. I believe it because of the testimony of Peter and James and John. And they all wrote it down to ensure that I would hear exactly what took place and how it took place. Okay? Last week we had a couple partners who came in. You saw that list of about 12 different people who said, Hey, I want to become a partner with the church and be involved in the ministry that God has called us to here. So I'm going to ask two of them to come up and share with us. I'm going to give them a little question time. A simple uh, declaration of their testimony, how they came to know Jesus. And who shared it with them? So I'm going to ask Ryan and Nina to come up right now. See, they're close to the front row here. They're not scared at all. And Say hi and give them a hand. Come on, come on. Yeah. Sweet. Now, these two I've already gotten to really love. And as I've told you before, you can only love somebody you get to know. It's hard to love somebody until you know them. You can say you love them, but you don't really know them. And now I know you guys because I've been able to interact with you. My wife really loves you. She thinks you're like, wow, you know, great stuff, great stuff. <laughs> Ryan says, you first, you first. Come on, you're the bigger guy. There you go. Be a man. Be a man. Okay, I said I always got to share with you is simple, real simple. How did you come to know Jesus, Ryan? How did you come to know Jesus? Well, it was... Uh... Jesus used my uh, my wife. Ah. I was uh, when I met her. I was uh, Jehovah's Witness Ooh. at the time, and uh, we met one evening, hung out together, and at the end of the evening, she invited me to her car. And it wasn't what <coughs> you expected, was it? Yeah. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't expected. what you expected. I know that. Yeah, she's cruising through, digging things through her little tiny car. <laughs> she grabbed a Bible. Handed it to me, asked me to read it. My comeback was the whole thing. <laughs> and she, because uh, I was in. And uh, now she directed me to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, love. Hmm. So I went home that evening, and as I read it, I realized reading all these love has no fear, patience, and all this, that I was the opposite. Wow. I had none of them. And that I was uh, always fighting for that love. So at that point in time, I uh, asked him, and as a witness, I didn't know who I was talking to. Yeah. And I was just saying, hey, you know, how could we all, some of us probably all have, are you real? I need you to make it very simple on me because I've been studying and seeking. And, and he just simply told me, because I was just on my knees, he just said, do everything the opposite than you've ever done. Whoa. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and that's crazy life that made a lot of sense so so in that decision that i decided to further that next year that i would go into the different church we ended up going to her church and uh and it was awesome and then a year later i sat down with the pastor and um i said i got a lot of questions and like you were saying earlier he just loved on me and he says you come we'll spend an hour a day and we sweated and just argued and he answered all the questions i had and then finally it just that was it he answered them and we just both broke and asked jesus in my life Sweet. 14 years ago wow isn't that great okay oh my that was good 
That was good. Can you beat that, Nia? No. How do you come to know Jesus? Um, my story is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, the, the nutshell of it is, uh, and I just want to point out my sister's here today, which just blesses Hi, my sis. heart. <laughs> she just rolled in over there. And so she knows a little bit, of course, of my story. But anyhow, uh, to get to it, um, I, this little church that he mentioned, I was at a point, and maybe some of you have been there too, where I decided I didn't want to continue with life anymore. Wow. It, I was, it was just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. So um, I'll just say an angel, although it was uh, a man that I met, Right? Who knows? He told me about this little community church, very much like like this one, and I I uh, had that, of course, in the back of my mind, and uh, I said, oh, you know, I have Jesus in here, I, I I'm good, you know, and uh, he was trying to just share with me the, the love of the Lord. Anyway, he mentioned about the community church. Mm-hmm. So that very dark day came, and I went into that little church. I sat in the back, um, in tears. The gospel message was shared, as, as you said. Um, the hope yes. that we have in Christ was shared. Uh, the promise of a new life in Christ was shared. And, of course, um, that's what I needed. So uh, what was very little of my life left at that point, I gave it to him. I gave him the whole thing. I held nothing back, just everything. Went home. Dusted off a, a Bible that I had. You know, we all probably have one somewhere in our house. I opened it up. My eyes went immediately to Ephesians chapter 6. Um, at, it started at uh, verse 12, you know, and it was all about, and you can read it for yourself, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and forces of spiritual wickedness, that, that these are the things. And if you go on, it goes on to the full armor of God, and it gives us the answer as to what we do, that we have something we can do in order to stand. And so it was though God was right there with me in the room. The words jumped off the page. I understood them, which was really crazy because I've read this and haven't understood it. And after that day, I understood it. And um, from that day on, I've been... Like like a little lamb at the feet of my Jesus, you know, following hard, closely after him. And uh, there's no place I want to be other than that. So, Is that good or what? Thank you, guys. That's good. You're good. Wow. Now, I hadn't even heard all that, by the way. So you're thinking, oh, pastor said that. No, I actually... I got to share with them. I knew God is working powerfully in their life and what's been going on. And so I got to know them, but I hadn't got a chance to hear that. So I put them on the spot today to find that out. I knew it was going to be uh, encouraging. The hope that is in you. You see, when you share the hope that's in you, this, this wonderful realization that Jesus died for my sins and he shows me how to have a relationship with God, everything changes. Everything changes. And that's where we need to begin in our responsiveness to people around us. When they throw that little bantering comment, they kind of throw it your way. And they're like, ah, da, da, ah, da, da. You just need to go, you need to just smile and say, hey, I believe Jesus died for my sins. And he rose again to teach me how to have a relationship with God. 
And they'll just kind of go, huh? And then just walk away. God bless you. And walk away. And if your life is proving that you have that relationship with Jesus, then they'll go, now I understand. Now I understand why they act that way. Now I understand why, why they're available. Now I understand why they don't hold on to their money. They're not greedy. They're generous. Now I understand. You see, because that was the cry of James to us, where, where Peter was saying, because this is his heart cry, you need to share your faith, share the hope. James was saying, hold it just a minute, Peter. You need to share the hope, but you need to make sure that you're showing the hope. Yeah, if you're not showing it, I don't believe it. You're a disgrace to the faith. It's like, uh Don't be a disgrace to the faith. He says, dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of you saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is not faith at all. It's dead and it's useless. You see, faith proof is the result of consistency. Faith grows in the soil of truth and it establishes itself with the same actions over and over and over. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Then start all over again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. If you begin to understand that and you begin to love God and I spend time with them and I listen to them and I cry with them. I ask them to help me and I grow in that relationship and that understanding. And I find myself walking out of that time with him, wanting, desiring, needing to love other people. It's no longer just about me, because when you meet with God, God points you to others. And that's how faith works. That's how faith works consistently, continually, every day. We live in a world that celebrates diversity, and God says, I want you to celebrate consistency. I want you to love your wife for your whole life. Lord, you mean I can't change? If she dies, you can. If you die, she can. Okay, we've been getting, oh, okay. Someone asked me that. They said, is it okay if I divorce my wife? No, but you can kill her. That was in relationship to getting remarried. They said, I want to marry somebody else. Well, if she dies, then, you know. I said, are you misunderstanding what Jesus is talking about in that area? He's saying, love your wife your whole life. That's what he's saying. Love your husband your whole life. Be consistent. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Every day. Every morning, every afternoon, every night. And then you will love your neighbor as yourself. You will. You'll be unable not to. What's the use of saying, I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again to show me how to have a relationship with God If I don't have one. And your relationship with God is shown by your relationship to your brother and your sister and those that are around you and your church. 
we choose by God's ability and motivation to love one another. See, ask you a simple question. Do you want a useless life? How many of you want to have a useless life? Exactly. We don't. We want to have a faith-filled life. I want to be excited about what God is doing. I want to have a life that bubbles over and spills into the life of other people around me. I want to have an active faith life. I want to make a difference. I want to be a person of significance. I want my life to be lived. I want to experience God over and over and over again. And when you make investments in your faith on a daily basis, Monday through Sunday, watch out. It'll begin to happen. But you've got to make faith works. You've got to start taking faith actions. You've got to start giving when it hurts. You've got to start being generous when you don't have a whole lot to give. Because then it demands faith. And then God gives it back and we go, oh, there he did it again. And that makes life exciting. And my relationship with God becomes one that's fulfilling and interacting. And I take dangerous steps and I'm like, I'm scared to do this. Do it. Do it. Watch what God does. See, James says, hey, faith isn't just something you feel. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes. They're without food. And one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good are you? What good is that faith, he says. What good is that kind of faith? It's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. What's the old joke? As a pastor, I'm paid to be good. But you guys are good for nothing. Free, I mean. You got to have faith that shows and that pays. Faith works. If you have faith, it's working. It's working all the time. Working, working, working. He says, if you do nothing, you can circle that in your thing. You do nothing, then you're not showing faith because faith does something. See, faith says, I'm going to do something. When I see that person in need, I'm going to do something. When you see that person situated, you pull out your wallet and you say, well, I got $20. And the Lord says to you, guaranteed, give it to him. Lord, it's my last $20. Like he doesn't know. Gee, really, Lee? Oh, I thought you had 40 in your wallet. Lord, it's my last 20. You don't give it away. Okay. You give it away. And you go, oh, that's it. They needed it far more than I did. And then God says, hey. And he gives you back more. And you go, where did that come from? God. It came from God. And he shows up every single time. And you're generous in your actions toward you forgive them. You have grace towards them. You choose to see them more highly than they see themselves. And God says, I'll give back to you far more than you're giving away. I'll teach you how to love with a love that is truly from me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. You won't find yourself being able not to do it because faith works. 
Faith just works. We serve. We don't just feel. We show. We don't just say. And we share. We don't just believe. Uh, Colossians put it this way. Live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. The issue isn't whether there'll be an opportunity. The issue is, will you make the most of the opportunity that comes your way? Will you take advantage of the faith opportunity that God gives you? Will you respond in faith? Have you guys ever noticed that sometimes something can be right in front of you and you don't see it? I know it's mostly a man thing. I get that. But it happened to my wife the other day. She didn't see it and I did. It's like a miracle. I said, God, she didn't see it. I did. Thank you. Thank you so much. So the next day, what happens? Yeah, you're done. It's not in here, honey. Look in the drawer. It's right. Where is that at? It was a thing, thermometer. I said, I know that thermometer was in there. It was in here. I just got to check out the meat to make sure it's good and it's not, you know, it's not undercooked. I'm being a good guy, you know. And it's gone, honey. It's gone. She said, it's in the drawer. It's gone. It's not here. It's in the drawer. It's gone. It's not here. She walks over. Here you go. Go on. You put that there. It wasn't there. I mean, I still can't believe it. It's like, to this day, I'm still going, I know she has stuck it in her pocket and pulled one of those. Are you doing that, honey? You even, uh, no? You're, you are. You did. No. Okay. It was right there all the time. I couldn't see it. And. This is what happens in our life, is God provides this divine opportunity. It's right in front of your face. And unless you're listening to the Spirit, you won't see it. You won't, you won't see it. And so sometimes you've got to ask God and say, God, where is it at? Show me, please. Where it's, I can't see it. Will you just show me? Are you sure this is the opportunity, Lord? That's usually what I say. Lord, are you sure you want me to do this? Yes, Lee. Positive? Yes, Lee. Abs- Come on, Lee. And faith is really about the amount of time it takes you to respond to God after he tells you to do something. I, I want you to get that. It's really it's about the amount of time. So he says, do it, and you do it. <laughs> because you're so used to God speaking, you go, yeah. And you, and you respond there, and you go, that was great. And the longer you wait... The less faith works. You can write that one down. <laughs> the longer you wait, the less faith works. There's a great, it was, it was a line in the movie, Joan of Arc. And Joan is there and this person comes up to him. He's an he's a archbishop or something. And he says this line. He says, um, why is it that God speaks to you and not to me? And she turned to him and I thought, whoa, there's a divine statement. She says, he speaks to you. You just choose not to listen. He speaks to you. You just choose not to listen. Faith works. Faith responds. Faith interacts. See, that's the cry of God. Divine opportunities or daily opportunities that God gives you to activate your faith. Activate that card. Got a call from your home number, right? Well, this has got a call from your heart. Activate the card. God says, okay, activate. And I'm like, Lord, are you really? And we start in that process. And sometimes by the time I get done arguing, the opportunity is gone. 
And I go, Lord, I'm really sorry. I should have responded. And I just, he says, okay, no one's coming. No one's coming. Faith works. Someone will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith and what I do. Faith without works is not faith at all. But faith works both ways. To the person who gives it, to the person who receives it. Faith is a dual-edged, wondrous sword. And we watch God work powerfully, meaningfully, to me and to you. And we can see our faith and we can see others' faith. You can serve your faith to others and you can share your faith with others. Faith works. It's not something you say. It's not something you feel. It's not something you believe, although all those things are true. But it's something that you do. You get to share God's plan. People say, my, wife, my life is worthless. Really? You want to increase your faith? This will be a fun one. I'll throw a little thing on. Uh, one of the things that, that Ryan and Nita is involved in, I've been involved in some of these previously. Go to prison and share your faith. You, want to, you really want to increase your faith? Get a hold of them and say, hey, can we set up a time where I could go with you to go to prison and share with these guys who are life imprisoned? That'll increase your faith. <laughs> faith will work. You'll go, oh, my goodness. And you'll have an opportunity to love people who nobody else loves anymore. Who's everybody's thrown away. And said they're not worth anything. They're awful, terrible, despicable. They should have been put to death. You know, the chance to say God loves you and it'll stick in your throat. Because you're thinking, I'm not really sure. I think he loves you. And then God says, why don't you love them? And I go, I don't, I don't know if I can. You see, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you'll love your neighbor, whoever that is that he puts before you, as yourself. And that's the cry. See, that's what faith is all about. That's the directive that God gives us. Monday, you know, it's faith day. It's prayer day. It's like, oh, Monday's always prayer day because Monday, Monday, can't trust that day, right? Those of you are older got that. Some of you didn't. <laughs> okay? Monday's prayer day. I go, okay, today I've got to pray. And I would encourage you, pray for your boss. Pray for your boss. If you have a boss, pray for him. If you don't, pray for me. Okay? Monday. Monday. Pray. Okay? Tuesday. I call it Tuesday Encouragement Day. Tuesday's Encouragement Day. How can you encourage somebody today? So just each day, say, this is my faith work today, Lord. I want to be an encourager. How can I do that? Maybe if you're like my wife, you're going to bake something special and bring it to work. And they'll all like, yeah. Because she can bake, baby. Okay? She is a baker. Yeah. I know. I've put on 10 pounds. It's, it's oh. encouragement day. Okay? Another day is Wednesday isn't hump day. It's help day. Okay? Wednesday is help day. Who can you help? On Wednesday, everybody's like hurting on Wednesday. How can you help them? Get away from yourself, help them. But I got all this stuff I got to do. Help somebody. Do it in faith. Believe in faith. God's got to take care of it. Just help them, and you'll be amazed what happens to your situation. God is in charge. He is more than able. Thursday I call catch-up day. That's the day that I do all the stuff that I didn't do the other three days because I forgot. 
There it is, reality. Okay? Fridays, invite a friend to church day. Called invite him to church. Now, many of you guys go to lunch after you get done with church, right? You go, you head on out. Some of you guys go and you have lunch at various places. The thing you got to put on this is you invite him to church, but you tell him, ah, you're going to take him to lunch. Okay? So you say, come to church with me and I'll take you to a free lunch. There really is such a thing. I'm going to pay for your lunch. Tip everything. Okay? You go to lunch with me. You go to church with me. I'll take you to lunch. Most everybody will do that. Free lunch, I'll go. If I have to sleep while the pastor talks, it's okay. I get a free lunch out of it. I'm going. So invite them to church and say, afterwards, I'll take you to lunch. They go, yeah, where, McDonald's? No, no, no. Good place. Good lunch. Really? Yeah. Show your faith. Not just faith in terms of that you have faith that something great's going to happen to bring them to church, but faith that afterwards they're going to have a great lunch. Paul says it this way. He says, examine yourself. Examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. I love that statement because he turns to me and says, Lee, examine. Not only examine your friend. Don't examine ones next to you. Examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Is faith working in your life? Are you seeing it happen on a regular basis? Because if you are, then you can rejoice with the fact that you are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is the first and most powerful and most important commandment in life. Faith works. So take the test. Take the test. Say, Lord, am I in the faith? Uh, It was interesting. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi was asked by a missionary, interesting enough, he was being cute, I think, but he was being serious, and he said, I want to understand how can we bring the Christian faith to the people of India so they would respond and become Christians. And Gandhi said, well, I would give you one simple statement. He said, I would suggest, and this is a quote, unlike many of the quotes you've heard from Gandhi. This is his actual quote in relationship to this. I would suggest, first of all, that all of you Christians, missionaries and all, begin to live more like Jesus Christ. Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, it will be done to you. So let's see if we can pop this back up here from where we started at, where it's 1 Peter 1, and read that together. You ready? Always be ready to answer everyone who asks you to explain about the hope you have, but answer in a gentle way and with respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak evil of your good life in Christ will be made ashamed. Folks, we need to speak our faith. We need to proclaim it clearly, succinctly about the hope. But we also need to prove it by our actions. Focus on proving and you're not going to have any problem proclaiming. You're not going to have any problem proclaiming. And you'll find other people going, I knew you were a Christian. That's what they'll say over and over again. I knew you were a Christian. You never said it, but I knew it. And now you said it and you affirmed it. I knew it all along. Okay, let's pray. Right now I want to pray. If there's some of you here that, that may not know faith, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You haven't had the opportunity or for whatever reason you've never chosen to ask him to come into your life and to forgive your sins. 
And because of that, you've never experienced a relationship with God. And he's never begun to speak to you in the word of God so that you find yourself going, oh, my goodness, what he said was true. My heart is affirming these things. If that's your case, I want you to pray with me. So everybody close your eyes, bow your head. I'm going to pray this prayer, and some of you may choose to pray that if you need to. Father, I come to you today, and I recognize that Jesus died for me. That he took on himself the penalty of my sin. I believe that he did that. And right now, I'd ask that you might forgive me for my sin and that you would make me whole and show me how to have a relationship with God. I ask these things in faith. I believe that you accept me as your child and that you'll now teach me how to live. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. Now, for the majority of us, we need to pray another prayer. Okay? And that prayer is about faith. So once again, close your eyes. I'm going to pray it. You think it. Lord, I was reminded today, where I was, that you saved me for a reason. And that you gave me faith so I could be involved in faith works. Lord, please... Give me the opportunity this week to serve, to share, to show my faith with works to declare who you are and that I'm your child. Help me to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. I ask that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, we're going to listen to a song and I want you you're going to have to pull out your little prayer sheet you may have a prayer request you want to write down you have a commitment you want to make before the Lord some step that he's urging you to do now so write it down think about it while that comes and then and after the song is over we're going to take the offering and then we'll kind of close with a fun song okay so this one is for you to respond don't go anywhere don't walk off sit there think about it let God speak to you clearly and then we'll take an offering after the song is over in the next song got it Thank you.